Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Raptors lose again on the road in L.A., dropping this time uh, by a score of 126 to 120 against the L.A. Clippers. And um, I just feel so proud of this team. Um, you know, it's like, what time is it right now? It is 12.53 a.m. Uh, Eastern. It's been a really long day. I'm sure it has been for a lot of people. You're watching this game probably as one of the last things you're doing for the day. I'm sure a lot of people can't even watch these games because they're so late. Um, but the Raptors have made it worth it for you. The Raptors have made it worth it for everybody. Since the trade, this team just continues to play great, together, resilient, offensively fluid basketball. And... You know, tonight I had no expectations walking in. And and that's not to mean that, like, I, I don't, you know, feel expectations for the team. I do, of course. Um, but I kind of just put that aside when you when you got the alert that, you know what, Pascal actually has back spasms. Um, and it was from that play, by the way, last night in L.A. when Torian Prince fully under, like, went underneath Pascal on a fast break for no reason. Uh, dropped him to the ground, hard fall, and they reviewed it for a flagrant. And they didn't call anything on it. But let's just put that aside because I actually don't want to talk about the refs whatsoever. Uh, so Pascal ultimately gets hurt on that play, and hopefully he's okay. He was able to – I think it's a good sign that, for example, he was sitting in uh, warm-ups instead of street clothes on the side. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's back spasms. Hopefully he's able to play even, even you know, next, say, next game, for example, uh, against the Jazz on Friday. But – no Pascal, no uh, Jakob Pertl, and you're a second half of a back-to-back against the Clippers who are red hot, arguably playing the best basketball in the league right now, and they have all their stars healthy, and they're all clicking, and you saw that tonight. I mean, how good were Paul George and Kawhi Leonard with James Harden around them and Ivica Zubac around them and Terrence Mann doesn't miss a single shot around them and Norm Powell comes off that bench. Like, you know, this is just a sick team. It really is a sick team. Um so again, I had no expectations and maybe, you know, this is something, <laughs> maybe this is something I got to work with my therapist about. Just like, you know what, uh, are our expectations actually functionally serving my life and what are the healthy boundaries to that? Because I really enjoyed watching this Raptor team without the expectations. Like, yeah, they lost. Yeah. The Raptors are 15 and 23. Um, but I just, I really came into this game without like any expectations for them to win. And I just sat back and like really enjoyed how this group played, how they played for each other, how they defended, um, you know, their feeling of like, just, it, it, I don't know the feeling of bravery. I think watching this game, you know, like everybody stepping on the court really gave their best effort towards trying to win the game. And, you know, I wasn't really frustrated with the mistakes because you acknowledge that they're human and they're, that things happen and, you know, they'll have errors that come into it, but the way they picked up for each other, the way that, um, you know, it, it never you never saw one play in this entire game that came from a place of selfishness. Never saw a single play where it was like, I need to get a shot right here. Um, it's been too long since I haven't had the ball. It, it's it's not anybody taking plays off defensively. Like, sure, there's missed rotations or missed blockouts, um, but everybody talking to each other, trying to direct with each other. You know, you can even feel that from the coaching staff. You know, Darko in this game, First off, Darko's been deep squatting quite a bit. Um, yeah, you know, and 
you're seeing in this game, especially with the fact that Jakob's been out, the Raptors are playing a lot more zone. I mean, they've been playing more and more zone as the season has gone on anyway. But you saw here tonight, they'll go possession by possession and switch from man to zone, man to zone, man. Like every other play, it almost felt like. And I just thought that that was, you know, a sign of just how much they really wanted to compete, how much they really wanted to be creative. And if you play zone, you're going to have to be strung together, right? Like you literally have to be five guys on a string to play zone to, I mean, you do for man to man as well, but still, um, you saw that kind of effort. And again, the Clippers are, the Clippers are damn good. Like you look at them, they don't miss jump shots. They have so many ball handlers. They don't panic in crunch time. They never miss free throws. Uh, they didn't have turnovers tonight either. Seven turnovers for the game to 14 for the Raptors. Like that's a big part of why the Raptors unfortunately came up short. But I mean, I, again, if you didn't watch this game with the expectation of winning and you just watched the game to appreciate what these guys did, I just can't, I can't say enough about that experience, you know? Um, yeah. So the question of the starting five without Pascal in the group, you know, you have to go really small. So they already have Thad Young starting. Um, for Jakob Pertl. Uh without Pascal, there's no there's no forward on the bench that's going to do anything close to what Pascal does. So Darko goes to Dennis, um, and I think that was actually a really smart idea. One thing that's been popping out is just how effective Dennis and Emmanuel quickly have been in two point guard lineups. They were two of the Raptors' best players tonight. Uh, it quickly came on really strong in the second half. Um, it did at least half of the Raptors scoring in the fourth quarter, it felt like. So Raptors only scored 28 in the fourth to 35 for the Clippers, and that's what ultimately helped the Clippers pull away and take the win. But uh, quickly, I think, had like at least 10 points in the fourth quarter, driving to the basket and ones, pull up threes, all that kind of stuff, setting guys up too. Um, but yeah, quickly with 25, Dennis with 22, and there's just so much driving and kicking, driving and kicking, driving and kicking for the Raptors. Like it, it, it no longer looks anything like the team that started off this season where there was such little like uh, ball movement or not little ball movement, but there was a lot of ball movement, but not a lot of like touching the paint, pressuring the paint. It felt like, why don't Scotty and Pascal have the ball that much? Uh, OG wasn't really like, you know, creating. I mean, that's not really his role. And, and that's part of the limitations here in Toronto. We'll see if that changes in New York. But, you know, um, again, he's no longer on the team. But it's just, yeah, it, it, there was a discussion of, okay, was there too much Dennis? Like, you know, the second unit not coming in and giving you anything. Like, it was just frustrating watching them because they didn't really get into a rhythm and, and their offensively was in a bad flow. And defensively, the Raptors started the season great. It's been, you know, coming more and more undone. And hopefully that they can do more uh, on that front to be more solid. But offensively, especially this group that you have right now, like by the game, you see them being more and more dynamic offensively. And it's the fact that they have all these ball handlers and so many sequences where a guy drives off a pick and roll, gets downhill, the rotations come, they swing it back out. Then the next person catches it, either catches it and shoots it or just drives and attacks the closeout, gets downhill. And they just cycle that through and through. They got bigs that can finish and, and try to screen and get out the way. I mean, that's still a weakness on this team when you really evaluate it. But at the same time, like, you know, watching this game, it this is okay, this is such like a, a big jump to make. And I'm only saying this stylistically, but the Raptors look more functionally offensively like OKC than they did to anything what they did pre Raptors or pre trade, which was just so nasty offensively. And and Whatever, they're 3-3 three and three since the trade. They've had some injuries, of course, with Jakob missing the last two here and Pascal missing the game tonight. But 
offensively, they have been great. And even today, without Pascal, without Jakob, they still scored 120. They shot 55% from the field. Um, they had 31 assists. And really what doomed them today was the turnovers. Like, they were actually punch per punch with the Clippers the entire way. There was, like, 30 lead changes. Like, this is a game that was beautiful. I haven't seen this in, in, in like, all season, really, from the Raptors, let alone other teams I've watched where neither team pulled up by, like, more than 10. And the Clippers only went up 10, like, late in the fourth quarter. Like, it was within, like, five points the entire way. And, of course, you expect it from the Clippers because they have so many scores. But that's what it felt like from the Raptors. There were guys who can score. And and so, functionally, what I'm saying, it's like it's like what OKC does. Driving kick, driving kick, driving kick. Now, OKC has so many more talented pieces. So, I'm not making that direct comparison. And, of course, nobody on the team has the one-on-one scoring ability of a Shea. Um you know, they don't have a stretch five like, uh, you know, like what Chet does for them. And, of course, that stretch five is actually what allows them to do a lot of that. But that's what it feels like. There's like you swing the ball to the other side and the guy attacks and you see that. And, and it's it's things that you just couldn't have done with the previous roster. They just really could not have done it. You know, you're, you're swinging to like Malachi or like Precious on, on the other side catching it and they're trying to make a play like that's not going to work. And, yeah, I mean. I know I'm talking about bigger picture. You know, I'll, I'll get into the nitty gritty of this game as well. But in the general scheme, my impression of watching it is just like I'm, I'm proud of these guys. And um, you know, it was great seeing RJ continuously play. Like honestly, RJ's played like an All Star level since he's come to Toronto. I, I know that we've been so cautious about it because expectations around RJ. Um, you know, go, going back to that word again, expectations. Uh, but. You know, it's it's he was the third pick. He was the number one prospect in the country at one point, coming out of high school, and go, goes to Duke, and you know, uh, goes to New York. And there's so many expectations, and New York's never really had a ball movement type of system. They've been playing a lot of ISO ball, and that's really gotten them to be successful, and and that's good for them. Like, there's no right or wrong with those things. I, I really don't believe that. There's just winning and losing, um, and the New York has been winning uh, a lot, but it just never really felt like RJ was able to play at this level over there and that's not to say RJ hasn't had good stretches of, of play for the for the for the Knicks what I'm saying is RJ looks really comfortable like a lot of the expectations coming in the the, the, the scouting report or the book or whatever um, just essentially basketball acronyms for for expectations was that RJ was going to come here force offense be inefficient not look to pass um, and not be able to shoot very well um, and I don't I haven't seen that from him. Like you see moments where the passing is like not like when he first came here, the first game, for example, you know, there was a, his debut, he had five turnovers. It's his debut. He had, he had like shoot around with the team. You know, he doesn't even know who is who at that point. But as the games have gone on, he's, he's passed the ball. Well, he's read the situations. Well, I don't think you can tell me that like, there's been, you know, like RJ shot the ball a decent amount, and and quite frankly, like he he needs to, and and I think the Raptors have really really benefited from that. But like he's not taking bad shots. There's like maybe one or two, three at most bad shots a game, and they're not shots where like oh, um, you know he's coming off the screen and he's just pulling up from the mid range just because. No, he's like largely cutting from the opposite side or attacking and playing, uh, making a play off the catch. Of course, his three-point shooting has been, you know, ridiculously um, good, and that's a huge make-or-break skill for any player. They could have the same skill set, but when they're hot from three, all of a sudden they look like an all-star, and when they're not, then they look like they're a problem. So I acknowledge that, but 10-16 from RJ Barrett, 4-6 from three, uh, five rebounds, four assists, 24 points, 
37 minutes. He plays committed defense. You know, he's not a shutdown defender by any means, but he scraps, he competes. Um, he tries to get in on the glass as well. He, he pushes in transition. He's a great finisher on that front. It, he just looks really good. And again, like he's not calling his own number. He's just playing within the flow. And I, I love there's a play late in the third uh, in the fourth quarter where, um, you know, the Clippers had gone up by 10 quickly was, you know, still getting scores for the Raptors, but the Clippers kept scoring and they just kept getting, you know, open shots because the Raptors kept having a double and they kept moving the ball beautifully and their stars are so good at shooting, blah, blah, blah. Um, they finally miss a three. The Raptors go the other way and quickly finds RJ, uh, for the three and RJ knocks down the three. The Clippers call timeout. The lead is down to four points at that point. And RJ just like looks at Emmanuel Quick and the camera pans to RJ and RJ just yells at him. He goes, come on. And just like that resonates with me. That hits, man. Like that hits. Like it, the fact that we have like a, a guy who grew up in Mississauga, who has been in basketball his whole life, thanks to his family, thanks to his dad, um, who was like literally born and raised here, who has represented Canada at every single opportunity. And who has now been traded back to Toronto and whatever, if he was playing at this level, you wouldn't have even gotten him in this trade. But you know, when he comes over, uh, is, is at a point in his career where people are openly wondering, is he going to be a productive player for him to come back to Toronto and show you that commitment? And in every interview, this guy's talking about things that are like, you know what, man, I love Osmos like that. You know, <laughs> it, it kills me how much he loves Osmos. Like it's such, he's so funny to me. It's the most Mississauga thing ever to insist on Osmos if you've ever been to the Streetsville location. Um, You know, the fact that he comes here and he's talking about in every interview, man, yo, I love Sonny Weems. You're like, I love Sonny Weems, man. Like, if you were around for watching Young Guns era Raptors, like, I'm talking like Sonny Weems, uh, Ed Davis, I'm talking young DeMar DeRozan, um, before he got better, like, skincare, um, you know, you know, what, what, who do we have? Amir Johnson at that point. I remember Jared Jack being photoshopped into posters. Like, if you're talking about you around for that era, that you 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 were around to debate like Jose Calderon or TJ Ford, who's gonna start at point guard for you? If you, you know, like I remember even on dra- when RJ got drafted in 2019, they were doing some interviews with him. And it was on first take, and they asked him, like, you know, who you want to win the championship? And like, he's grinning, like, come on, you know who he wants to win the championship? The Raptors. You know, and whatever, it's a feel-good story. He needs to play well. There's no doubt he needs to play well. But when he plays well, like he's been doing right now, when he shows you the determination, when he's yelling to his teammate and encouraging him and saying, come on, don't give up this fight, we can still push, and you're seeing that as a Raptor fan, like, that hits, man. Like, he's he's literally one of us out there. Like, he's the best of us. He's, like, the best player from the GTA, unless you really want to count, like, Shea, who's from Hamilton. I mean, that's more of a geological debate at that point or geographical debate, but like RJ, like fully, fully is a Toronto guy through and through and through. And you see him come to the, the here and play at this level. I mean, you know, like to, to make a soccer comparison, I, I watch, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool supporter. Um, and you know, there, there's lots of great things about watching Liverpool. They're, um, they, they, they got a decent amount of money. They signed pretty good players. Um, you know, all of that, like, I'm not going to pretend like there's some sort of like, broke club or anything like that lots of things to support one of the best things about liverpool is that a lot of players that have played for liverpool 
are from Liverpool, like from the city itself. There's like a great pipeline of talent from that city itself. So, you know, when I watch Liverpool, it, it feels and I'm not even from there. I just support the team, obviously. I have no connection to there whatsoever. But when I watch like, OK, Trent Alexander Arnold is like born in Liverpool, comes up through the academy and plays for the team. When I watch Curtis Jones who is uh, breaking out now and, like, you know, being a really, really great midfielder for them this season. Stuff like that. And there's multiple examples. Obviously, Steven Gerrard's the most, like, notable, famous one. Like, it hits, man. It hits. Like, I, I, I need I need RJ to hit a game-winning three at one point and then kiss the badge kind of thing for Toronto. So, RJ's been playing great. The other part of the trade, Emmanuel quickly. You know, it's interesting watching quickly because you could tell that this is a guy who's been largely – coming off the bench because his scoring comes off in like little spurts at times. It's not as sustained as you would from seeing a guy who's consistently starting and always really picking his spots and getting to the moments. You don't get that. There's lots of parts of the game where you're like, okay, they're not getting that much from quickly or he's missing a shot here or there. What's going on? But then there's the flip side, and we've seen it multiple times now. You know, he had that run in the Memphis game where, you know, quickly really broke the game wide open for us. You know, you saw it today here in the fourth quarter how much he was able to go. When he gives himself that permission to just go and the rest of the guys can just kind of carry, you know, behind him and everything like that, I don't know if he's shy. I don't think he's shy, really. I think it's just the, the way he's he's wired. He can score, and he can score in bunches. And it's not like score taking bad shots. It's... Using the quickness, there's a cerebral element to his game. He's a really good passer. I mean, six assists, only one turnover tonight. Um, he picks his spots to drive. And if there's anything, weirdly enough, I think he can get even better as a finisher off the drives. Because I feel like sometimes, um, you know, he, he takes off from a little bit too far out. He never really gnashes the pick, like on the drive where he's dribbling through the lane and gets the other side. Um, he's not typically keeping his dribble alive to like all the way until he gets to the basket and then goes in for the, like the, like a shorter layup, like a Westbrook layup, for example, actually, that's not, that's a bad example. Westbrook stretches a lot on these layups, but like he's, he's shooting a lot of floaters and bankers and stuff like that, but he's also just like lightning quick when he decides to go that like zero to 60 for him is, is really sick. And of course teams can't really like. Um, press up on him be, or can't tag off of him because he's he's able to pull up for three. And tonight was his most effective game getting downhill. I mean, he only got four three-point attempts up. Clippers did a really good job of switching and communicating off. They're just a good team, and they got a lot of length against him and stuff like that. Um, but you also saw quickly tonight get downhill and, and use his speed against the Clippers' wings, and the Clippers switch a lot. So, you know, there are a lot of possessions with him against Zubac, him against Paul George, him against... This guy drew back-to-back fouls on Kawhi. And I'm not saying that, like, that's something he can do every single time that he's, like, a guaranteed future all-star or superstar or whatever. Again, just take the expectations out of it. I'm just appreciating the craft of getting to draw back-to-back fouls on Kawhi Leonard and not just, like, bait Kawhi into fouls, like, beating him to a spot and then using that advantage to get yourself to the foul line was beautiful to watch. Quickly, when the fourth quarter came around, he was, you know, he he was the Raptors offense and not in a selfish way, not in like a, you know what, I, I got to get my shot and I'm going to take a bad shot or whatever. Like he's just like, I, 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 I have the best advantage here and I'm going to go. Is that okay? I'm going to go. And it's like, it's absolutely okay. It's a joy watching Emmanuel quickly. There's, there's a couple things you notice about him. Number one, um, the way he, he moves, like it, there's like a, he's moving quick, but it looks smooth. 
And, you know, it's, it's a quality that you see from a lot of these young guards nowadays. Um, you know, I think that Fox gives me that impression. Um, Maxi gives me that impression. Uh, you know, Shea gives me that impression. Like, it, it, he, he has that kind of quality about him where he looks really smooth. He glides when he's in midair, for example. Um, I'm enjoying that aspect. I'm enjoying the, the three-point shooting, the fact that he can get himself to the foul line because of, the, you know, when he gets downhill. I also just really like the fact that he's got a built-in chemistry with R.J. Barrett. They played a lot together this season with the Knicks, and they got a good two-man game just amongst themselves, which is really nice to see. Um, I like the fact that there's a positivity about quickly. You know, there was a play... um, He went to the foul line against uh, the Lakers, which is a difficult thing to do, as we all know. Uh, He went to the foul line against the Lakers last night, and he missed the first free throw. And, you know, the, the crowd's kind of getting into it, whatever. They, a lot of crowds offer these, like, free promotions. I don't know if it was one of those. Like, you miss two free throws, you get a, a burger or something. Um, but it quickly was kind of like, a, he was like, ah, man, I missed a shot. And then he just started smiling. He just started smiling after missing the free throw. And it's almost like he, he's his own hype man. But he's not, like, overly hype. Like, it's it's just like a self-confidence about him. And he went to the he, he shot the next free throw and he switched it. Whatever. Typical, like, one for two, he's a good free throw shooter. It's not a surprise that he made a free throw. But I'm saying that, like, there's lots of moments in these games where it feels like he just finds some positivity from within. And you know what? Like, I enjoy seeing that. There's not, like, a – it's not a drag to watch him, Um, even when he's down. So I love that he's able to pick himself up. I've been loving what Dennis Schroeder's been doing for this team, you know, pretty much ever since – uh the demotion and you know Grange reported at that time and that when he first got the news he wasn't happy about it and of course that got aggregated into NBA Central and that fed into the narrative that everyone has around Dennis that he's a selfish guy he's delusional he turned down 84 million at one point look ah let's just laugh at this guy again without first off even just reading the rest of the piece that Grange wrote the fact that he did all the reporting that went into it, that he talked to Darko, he talked to Dennis, he talked to people around the team, he wrote about the perspective of it, he wrote about the context, which is that Dennis was brought here with the idea that, you know, you could start, you know, remember go to the start of the season, Darko was kept talking about in publicly, like in press conferences and stuff, how much he always felt like Dennis should get a shot to, to run his own team. And so he's always been, he's always been tabbed to come here as a starter. But, of course, as the season went on, things had to change. He goes to have that difficult conversation with them. Not expecting Dennis, as a competitor, the way he is, to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm happy to come off the bench. You know, whatever. No, there's, like, a human element to it. It's like, these were my expectations. So what I brought here to do. But then, you know what? You remove that, and you try to play for the team, and you just try to fit in where you can get in. Dennis Schroeder has been awesome ever since that, that, move, that, that moved into the second unit. Not only has that done a great job for the second unit, but it's also allowed him to, I think, just play in a way that feels more like himself. You know, I'm seeing Dennis do things like the mid-range pull-up, for example. He never did the mid-range pull-up with the starters. Um, he probably shouldn't do a mid-range pull-up with the starters, quite frankly. There's other you know mouths to feed in, in that group. But when he comes off that bench, when they need a bucket late in the game, late in the, late, not even late in the game, let's say late in like a shot clock, late in the quarter to finish quarters. The Raptors are finishing quarters a lot stronger lately. And I think Dennis is always on the floor to finish quarters. Um, 
he gives them that little bit of a burst. He has a little quick drive ability in him as well. Like, I think quickly has more craft, but honestly, there's some similarities to their two games. And, you know, Dennis is able to, you know, get to the basket on those quick drives, the mid-range pull-ups. He's not really comfortable with that. Um, and, yeah, he's scrapping. He's competing defensively. Like, he's he's fighting. And, and you can even tell that he, he has the veteranness where it's like he'll do a couple of tricks. He'll do like, a, okay, if I want to go under on a screen, I'm not just going to go under. I'm going to spin as I'm going under the screen so that the big can't take me out. And I can't get hung up on this screen and I can get to the other side a little bit quicker. Little crafts like that. Um, I'm going to press up on a guy, and when he tries to put his shoulder through me, I'm going to fall over and try to eat this charge, which is what should have happened when he was pressing against Paul George in the deep corner. He does bring the shoulder into him, and Dennis does fall over, but the refs don't call that, and Paul George gets a highlight dunk. Cool. But, the, you know, that's Dennis trying to do, like, little crafty things within that group. He's not forcing a shot. He's not trying to, like, get his or whatever. Man, Dennis Schroeder knows who he is. He knows who he is. Like, it's not to say that who he is needs to be accepting that he's, a you know, like the same thing as you expect. But at the same time, Dennis knows that he's here to be a veteran. He's here to be a leader. He's here to um, accept whatever roles given to him. Like, he's not like Thad Young in terms of accept whatever role. Like, he's still going to play. He's, he deserves to. He's one of the best, uh, one of the like best eight, nine players for sure. But he's getting to his spots. He's playing within the team concept. He's trying to pick guys up. He's speaking out when things need to be called out. Like, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I really do. And I think that his game is getting better and better. I think him and the two point guard lineups is also really helping things. Um, and he's giving me that commitment. He's showing that commitment. Um, you know, you look further down the roster. Scotty Barnes just consistently looks... Like, he's, he's locked in. Like, he is locked in. I know he didn't have the huge numbers today. It's hard to post Scotty Barnes propaganda today. But you know what? When you watch this game, the efforts that he was giving defensively, like, there was a play in the fourth quarter where Scotty, like, rotated, like, three different times and ultimately had to make a long closeout to Norm Powell. Because Scotty's role a lot for the, a lot of the fourth quarter was just, I'm going to run over, double-team the ball from someone off the ball, then I'm going to rotate, 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 and then eventually try to beat the rotations, get out, and contest threes. Like, super, super aggressive. Essentially, you know, a lot of what Nick used to do. Right? Scotty is is doing a lot of that. But then, you know, of course, you're going to have lots of scenarios where guys are going to shoot over your top of your closeouts. And you saw once where Norm upfaked, Scotty jumped to, to close out, and then Norm drove past. And it literally like clip Scotty midair. So then Scotty flips over, lands in the in, in the in the bench. Hopefully he's okay. They don't want to see a repeat of what happened to Pascal just now. But that shows me the effort that he played with, man. The effort, the in, the intensity, the way he started this game off, like set the tone for the team, the passing, the the you know, the pick and rolls that he was running with the group. Like, you know, that got got him up to a great start. And yeah, he didn't score like that much. It's not the ball didn't get to him. There's no agendas to it. He just didn't have, like, the same night he does when he can hit the threes more consistently. But also the Clippers have, like, gigantic wings. <laughs> and they're, like, he's getting guarded by Kawhi and Paul George. Like, whatever. You could put the excuses aside if you, if, you, if you want to consider those excuses. But I thought the commitment was there from Scotty Barnes. The commitment has, like, no one screams commitment better than Thad Young, man. Like, eight points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals. 
four or five shooting from the field. The only shot he missed was a wide open three. He couldn't knock it down, whatever. He's never been a strong three point shooter. Capable, but not strong. Uh, in 23 minutes, this guy's fighting and scrapping with Ivica Zubac, you know, who's like gigantic. And, and, and having to switch on a James Harden, having to switch on a Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, are, are, is he going to get beat a few times? Absolutely. Is he is he like overmatched? Absolutely. But did you see the fight and the effort that he gave? Um, the commitment, the fact that he's diving on the floor, the fact that he's eating charges, like the, 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 there's a play where he got a deflection on the inbound to Zubac, ate a, a couple seconds off the clock because Zubac had to go retrieve the ball. Think of the steal, but whatever. Like it's fine. It's it's, it's a good play. Then um, the Clippers bring over James Harden to play pick and roll. The Raptors are switching in that play, so now Thad Young is a switch on a James Harden. Sticks with James Harden the entire way. Forces James Harden to step back. Forces them into a miss. The Raptors go the other way and break and score in transition. Like, look, I I, I don't want to overstate that Thad. It's not like Thad is like so old that like he's not functional. Like he's an NBA player. You gotta give him that respect. But the fact that he goes from, again, playing in third stringers, runs in three third stringers, and assistant coaches mixed in there, he goes from that to literally going from that to playing Anthony Davis and Ivica Zubac on a back-to-back, and he holds his own and, and does pretty well. Like, salute to that, man. That that effort, that commitment, the, the professionalism to stay ready to come in the game, beautiful. High-low passes from Thad Young, that's also been a part that... You know, I remember when he first came to Toronto, all he did was the Raptors' second unit would give the ball to Thad and the high post, and then they get guys to cut, and he'd just be, you know, playing the game essentially on behalf of Chris Boucher, on behalf of Precious Achua, diming these guys up on cuts to the basket. You know, him and Wancho had that kind of good, uh, you know, high-low chemistry as well. Like, him coming in, he's been able to dime these guys up too. So, appreciate that kind of effort. Um, I'm appreciating what the second unit brought tonight. Obviously, you lose Dennis from that starting, um, from that bench unit. Who else are you going to be able to come in and deliver? Jonte Porter. Jonte Porter was awesome. Jonte Porter's going to get one of the three stars tonight. And it's it always feels like found money when you're literally getting a guy from the G League on a, on a two-way contract and he's playing for you. But... It's not just found money. Like it's not like you found a dime on the ground. Like th- he could be, he could be something more than that. Like you looked at t- the game today, out of all the bigs that came on the floor, like Zubac was the best one, no doubt. But Jonte was awesome. You know, similar deal to Thad. Still, like with the high low passing, the Raptors clearly want to run an offense where they want their bigs to be able to facilitate and pass. Right? They got Jakob, they got Jonte, they got Thad. Those are the three guys to play at center, and sometimes to play Scotty at center. So that's four guys who can pass. Jonte's like that. Nine points, seven rebounds, four assists, uh, four of eight shooting from the field, one of three from three. This is a willing passer, um, a guy who doesn't look uncomfortable. A, a big who doesn't look uncomfortable with the ball is is a really nice luxury. And I thought he picked his spots. He rolled hard. Um, he like He's not catching lobs or nothing, but he's winning like tip-ins. He had two tip-ins. He's confident from three, but he's not also like forcing the three in a way that you know you might see from other guys, for example. He's just taking the open threes that are there. He's not afraid to take it, though. Um, he's defending. There's multiple plays where he had to switch on a James Harden or you know, Paul George and, and did a good job. Westbrook's driving at him full speed, contesting him at the rim, forcing misses. And he had the pass of the night for me, which was after he like stayed with James Harden on a one-on-one, forced him into a miss. The Raptors 
you know, try to get the rebound. It wasn't him in the initial scrum, but he ultimately jumps up with the second effort to win the rebound, comes down with it, immediately looks up court and throws a beautiful hit ahead pass to Scotty Barnes, who scores in transition for the and one. Unfortunately, missed a free throw, but that's how he was competing in the fourth quarter. Jonte Porter's on the floor in the fourth quarter. This guy, I mean, you haven't read Blake Murphy's story. Uh, you can listen to Blake's interview with him on the Raptor show from like uh, last month. Like, this guy was playing for the, the 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 Pistons G League team. Imagine you playing the G League team for the Pistons. Like, I actually would love to see the G League uh, Pistons play the Detroit Pistons. Just just like they should have like an open practice to see who goes on which team. Um, but he's playing on the Pistons G League team. And the Renato 5 has so many injuries. And, of course, it's very unfortunate that Ron Harper Jr. had to have, like, you know, season-ending surgery. Um, so get well soon, Ron Harper Jr. So they, they, they cut him. And that opportunity opens up. The Raptors go get Jonte Porter. And he goes to the G League. Man, the G League. The Raptors 905 needed him way more than the Raptors did. 905 was like literally 1 in 10, 1 in 15. Like, I don't know. They were so, so down bad because of the injuries, but also just because they're, they're down bad. And Jonte comes in and, and does a good job for that group. And within two weeks, because of the trades, he's now called up to the Raptors. He's traveling with them on this road trip. He's getting more time than he's ever gotten in the league. He's healthier than he's ever been. If you've hauled his uh, trajectory, he had back-to-back, like, super, super bad knee injuries. And it, it literally made him want to quit the sport of basketball. And it took his brother, Michael Porter Jr. of the Nuggets, obviously, telling him, no, you cannot give up. You cannot quit the sport. And Jonte, even considering the mortality of his of himself as an athlete where he's like, man, I, I got all these injuries right now. Like I want to do other things with my life. I want to be able to take care of my kids. I want to be able to play with my kids. Can I, can I do all that if I, if I'm going to break my body down physically, but he stays with it, sticks with it, fights through he's healthy now. And, and, and hopefully he stays that way because there's a talented player there and there's a connection with Darko there going back to Memphis where he previously played for their team. Uh, like, you know, and Darko believed in him even back then was like, there's a rotation big in here. When he comes on the court, I see a rotation big. I see a big who knows how to defend, who is in positions on both sides of the floor, and he's just making the right plays. Good stuff. Gary Trent getting more and more comfortable. You know, I think there's other things he needs to do. He still feels just like a little bit too susceptible defensively when he's not getting those uh, those like crowding strips and steals and stuff like that but he's he's finding his rhythm he's finding his rhythm a little bit better off the second unit he's popping in for a putback he's you know knocking down those catch and shoot threes in transition by the way that's another thing that rj's done a really good job of he seems to have a really good vision of what's happening on the other side of the court he throws a lot of cross-court passes for threes it's, it's a it's a nice uh sequence but he continues to find gary for those threes 12 points off the bench tonight in 24 minutes for Gary. You know, pretty good. Uh, ironically, it's always he's always been compared to Norm because of the fact that they were traded for each other and they play the same position and whatever. <laughs> ironically, Norm was 13 points on 4 of 11 shooting. Gary was 12 points on 5 of 9 shooting. They were both kind of suspect defensively and didn't really rebound all that much. It, it, <laughs> they played each other to a draw. It's actually kind of jokes. Um, the, I think the only unfortunate thing is you didn't get a strong performance from Chris Boucher, unfortunately made just a few too many errors, minus 10 and 11 minutes. I think it's pretty accurate. Just looked like a little bit too nervous. You know, you could definitely tell the things don't go right for Chris. The curse couple plays. Sometimes it throws him off his rhythm and he compounds those mistakes. 
So it wasn't a good night for Chris. Hopefully he can pick it back up because I just saw him play a perfect game against the Kings. I just saw that. So hopefully he's able to pick it back up. And then McDaniels, when he comes in the game, I, I don't know what it is with McDaniels, but it just feels like he's so shy, withdrawn, and like, like, just like almost like a mopey kind of Bobby, body, not like in an attitude way, just kind of like a, ooh, I don't know if I fit in and belong here, like, like an outcast kind of way. Like, there's no confidence and swagger about the game when he comes in and play. Like, and I, and I think that you need that that kind of spirit to be coming into the game as a defender because that's what people are asking him to do is come to this game and play some defense, fly around with your activity. We saw him have a huge impact when it was against the Celtics, uh, you know, two weeks ago now. I'm not expecting it all the time, but when he comes in the game, there's a lot of times where it's just like, oh, he's just trying to excuse me, get out the way in the game. And look, it's all hands on deck. Like everybody who's available to play, played tonight. Grady's with the G League. Otto's injured. Uh, Pascal's injured. Jakob's injured. Christian Coloco is... I saw the video that uh, Grange put out there that he was able to get, do some cardio today, just like run back and forth on the court. I hope that's a positive sign. I would love to see him back, you know, in any way. would love to see him continue his career. It would be awesome. Um, I don't think that, that that's any guarantee that, you know, he's coming back just because he ran some sprints. But like everybody else who was available to play, Garrett Temple played. So, you know, I, I think that you get these opportunities and there probably will be some more. I just want to see Jaden, like Jalen, like take these chances because there is potentially something better than what he's doing right now. And if you come in the game looking to just try to get out the way, you're never really going to have a good game. So in any case, it was a good effort. And again, like the Raptors were within five points. They took the lead multiple times. The, the lead changed hands like 30 times. It was, it was really, really fun to watch. Unfortunately, the Clippers make a late push and they make tons of shots. The Raptors had a, cu- a couple of turnovers, um, you know, and because they had to double team the ball so much, there was a lot of open threes for the Clippers and they knocked those down. Credit to them. But in the, the since the trade, the Raptors are in three and three, which doesn't sound great. But the loss to Sacramento, they've hit 21 threes and the Raptors literally got fouled for three to tie at the very end. The last two minute report confirmed that it was a missed call and that quickly should have been at the line to tie. I'm cool with that game. I really am cool with that game. The last game was against the Lakers. And, I mean, whatever. We've, we've, we've talked about that game so much. They lost that game by one, the free throws, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then this game against the Clippers, they lost. They, they ultimately just couldn't make up two possessions at the end. They were right there. It was a one or two possession game the entire way, and the Clippers ultimately finished stronger. Of course, the Clippers are a better team, much, much better. They have championship aspirations. The Raptors have, like, a let's just be good and entertaining aspirations. But tonight, they played each other like equals. They stared each other like eye to eye. And I'm very proud to watch that as a Raptor fan. So proud that I'm giving you a 40-minute recap uh, when it is 1.30 a.m. So what am I doing with my life? Um, anyway, to, to, to wrap up the show, actually, I got, a, I got another quick announcement, too. A little bit more positive this time. It's not just, uh, hey, breaking news, uh, Alex is leaving us, uh, which I know that was a really rude way to do it. I'm sorry. I didn't find a better way to do it. But... um. Yeah, I got another announcement, but let, let's give up the three stars. The The first star from the Raptors tonight was, I'm going to go with Quickly. I, I really like Quickly's effort tonight. Uh, strong in the fourth quarter, 25 points, uh, four rebounds, six assists, got to the foul line nine times. Listen, I, I think it, it might not be something that's always an, anom- an anomaly with, with Quickly getting to the line um, that much. 
he has that kind of burst and uh yeah, he has craft too as well. So I, I, I like seeing that. I'm gonna I'm, I see a lot of like positive drives from him today, and I think the one thing that's been missing from his game the first couple games of him as a Raptor is just he hasn't finished strongly in the paint. But you know we saw the the, the, the free throws drawn and stuff like that. Uh, your second start really tough to decide between Dennis and RJ. I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna ultimately go with RJ though. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 10 of 16 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. That might just be the hometown like advantage. I'm sorry, but yo, when he sp- when he when he looked in that when he looked at quickly and said, "Let's go." Like, man, I'm telling you, man. That <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, there's a scouser on our team. Is that vibe? And then your third star, uh, it's going to be Jonte Porter. Um, I think Dennis played better than Jonte overall, but got to give Jonte his flowers, man. Nine point seven rebounds, four assists, three offensive, four away from the field, a knockdown a three as well. Love his effort, love his story. Just keep fighting, keep fighting. Uh, and then your Gerald Henderson award winner. There's a lot to pick from, really. Um, you know, Terrence Mann didn't miss a single shot. Uh, you know, Norm Powell, give them a, a decent push off the bench. I think I'll give it the Zubach, though. 12 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, a block. Just won a couple of key extra possessions for the Clippers. The Clippers, weirdly enough, they won this game on possession battle. The Raptors actually shot the ball slightly more efficiently than them from the field, 55 to 53. They, uh, Raptors, you know, sh- made three less threes, but they were 12 of 30 for 40%. The Clippers were 15 of 34 for 44 Big difference in the game. Clippers once uh, shot 93 times from the field and the Raptors shot 84. So it's the turnovers from the Raptors and it was the offensive rebounds for the Clippers. And you really couldn't contend with Zubach's size on the glass. Like, that man is gigantic. So, uh, credit to him, man. He, he's, he's a nice piece for them. Absolutely. So, uh, the announcement, just really quickly. So, um, yeah, obviously, Alex is leaving. Uh, the Raptors show, it's already been announced. Um, and, yeah, I mean... He will be on the show tomorrow. <laughs> we have peer pressured him to doing his own show. He can't just leave without like, you know, doing segments and stuff. So Alice will be on the show plenty on Thursday, plenty on Friday. Got a nice surprise planned for him for his farewell uh, in the final segment of Friday's show to make sure you tune into that. Uh, make sure you watch that as well. There's a visual component. So I think that that's something that's, uh, you know, going to be a good way to send him off because obviously he's got such a huge importance. Like it was literally me and him launching this thing uh, from the start. And whatever, I'll save all the pleasantries for then. But if you also want to, you know, just come say hi and come celebrate sort of what he's done with this program over the years, we are actually, me and Alex and a lot of our friends are going to Hongqing in downtown Toronto um, from, I think, roughly 5, 5 p.m. to like 9 p.m. on Friday because, you know, the Raptors do play later that night. So I, I will be busy when they play the Jazz. And, of course, the show goes from 2 to 4 so from 5 to 9 p.m., me and Alex will be at Hongqing. Um, we, our friends there have, you know, agreed to sort of close the restaurant essentially for this kind of send off. And yeah, if you want to come up, come through and just pull up, you know, have some food, maybe some free appetizers, you know, grab a drink or whatever and just like say hi, hang out. If you want to commiserate, if you want to celebrate, whatever you really want to do, we'll be there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an open invite to anybody who want to pull up, really. But uh yeah, Hongqing, 5 to 9 p.m. Uh, on Friday after our last show. So that's the announcement. It's a little bit more positive than the last one, I promise you. And uh, yeah, so thanks so much for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the Raptor Show. And can't wait to see the next Raptor game. This was a great effort. 